and hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Conscious Combos with Coop, a part of the weekly Coop podcast. Um, it's going to be a deep, deep episode, so I hope you're ready in the best way possible. Uh, I'm going to talk about just things that I learned through a toxic relationship that I was in, in terms of um, domestic abuse and narcissism, being on the receiving end of that. So, um, if you're not ready to hold space for this, don't, um, but I'm just kind of opening you up to, I guess, a reality I once had, but overcame that reality through healing and other modalities, and that's just what I want to share with you at this time. So, if you are ready, welcome, and go to Futury.org after this. Let's get after it. Welcome. Super excited to be here. Um, excited to talk about something that is definitely heavy, but I think needs to be said for everyone because, well, not everyone, but I think for some men that are going through tough times in their life. And this topic that I'm going to talk about is a very heavy topic. So, if you don't feel like you're in the headspace for it, you know, don't play this. But if you do have the headspace for it, I hope you get a lot out of it. Um, and I hope that you understand where I'm coming from. You know, this is personal situation that I came from. And I want to speak my truth about this matter. But I also want to talk about the things that I learned from this matter. So... Basically, to get into it, I was in a relationship for like two years, a little over two years, and it ended about a year ago, and it was someone that um, I really thought that I was going to, going to create a life with and, you know, create a future with, and it didn't work out. And the reason it didn't work out was because I ended it. And the reason why I ended it was because of abusive things that went on behind the scenes that I was on the receiving end of. Um, this person was a bodybuilder. Um, this person claims to be a holistic health coach. This person uh, also drank a lot at the time. This person also was a cheater she cheated on me with her boy best friend and with other men as well emotionally and physically and she took steroids which made matters worse um and it's it's tough to talk about because you know, do I still care about this person? Yeah, you know, do I, see, I still see this person as a person. I see this person hurting in a way that also harmed me. 
and I'm speaking into truth the lessons that I learned from it because there were a lot of red flags that I should have saw from the get-go and I hope to utilize these different points that I'm going to get into to keep not just men safe but women safe from men that do the same thing because what happened was a byproduct of my subconscious needing validation from a partner and I was people pleasing to make that happen and that was a problem and that was a problem that I didn't want to fix so I fixed it now which I'm grateful for but I want to speak on it so yeah this partner and I we dated for two and a half years or you know a little over two years and like I said she cheated on me with her boy best friend I caught them texting each other um she would flirt with other guys in front of me, you know, she did, she met up with guys that she hooked up with in the past behind my back, uh, and then would, you know, tell me months later, um, she took steroids, because she was a bodybuilder, so she took Anavar, which, um, is a steroid, and when she took Anavar, she was not a pleasant person to be around. She actually threw stuff at me multiple times. She hit me multiple times. Um, she tried to fight me multiple times and would try to blame it on me for setting her off. Even though I never really got mad or would try to instigate a fight. She would do that. And... It's tough because she claims to be a holistic health coach. She claims to be a person of God and she claims to do all these things. But she never apologized for these actions either, which is tough. But I forgive this person. I hope she's doing well. And, you know, I hope God that I hope that God can forgive her as well. So. What happened when these steroid arguments would escalate is like she would throw, she threw something at me, you know, she would try to fight me, altercations, you know, those sorts of things. But, you know, the thing was at the time as a guy, I thought I just had to suck it up and deal with it because that's what men are inherently told to do is just to suck it up and deal with these manipulative women, narcissistic women that really don't care about you. They just care about what you have to offer. And part of that is manipulating your emotional state to stay with them and to do whatever they tell you to do. So that being said, I'm going to go into 10 different points that I want to share with you that hopefully can last, you know, meaningfully into your mindset when it comes to dating as a man and as a woman too, but I am a man. So my experience obviously is going to be different from someone else's experience that might be a woman. So I'm not going to just say this is for men, but I will say my experience as a man might be different than experience as a woman. And I don't want to discredit women that go through 
these abusive relationships either. You guys deserve to be heard. You deserve the truth to be stated. And I pray for you women that go through those types of relationships because that's never okay either. So, lesson one. Recognizing red flags. Abuse often wears a disguise, but its warning signs are never silent. As I learned firsthand, recognizing red flags isn't just crucial, it's life-saving. So, red flags. We talk about red flags so much in social media, right? We talk about, oh my God, this guy is a red flag. Oh my God, this guy gave me the ick. Oh my God, this guy did this, this guy did that, you know? But what is a red flag? And I think a red flag is more than just a color. It's a a signifying object of what this person is going to do to you later on that you're not seeing right in front of your face. And part of the problem was this person, I didn't see this person's family dynamic. This person had a bad family dynamic with a father issue and a mother issue at the same time. And I didn't see that. And that should have been a red flag to me because you don't have two role models in your house. That makes it very difficult to grow up and you feel like you have to fight for survival. So when you feel like you're in constant fight or flight, you always seek that chaos. And if you always seek chaos, you're never going to be happy in a committed relationship that brings you peace. What is the one thing I always talk about? I always talk about how much I want peace. I'm never going to get peace if I don't find it within myself. And I finally found that in myself. And now I'm realizing when I go on, you know, any date or excursion with a woman, I can tell when she's chaotic or when she's peaceful. And if she's chaotic, I'm not going to put her into my life because I don't want that. I don't seek that. And that's the problem with this relationship that I got into. There were a lot of issues below the surface level. And it took longer than just obviously, you know, even a couple months to get to know that. But I didn't dig deep enough into why this person was the way they are. And if you disagree with people mimicking their parents, I mean, does everyone mimic their parents? No. But do they mimic some traits of their parents? Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to gauge who the parents are in your significant other or your partner. Because chances are they're going to mimic the same characteristics at some point in time. That's just how it is. You're the same genetic code. So you're going to act like your parents at some point in time. I'm sure I have moments where I act like my mom. I'm sure I have moments where I act like my dad. Both are great. Both are not so great. You know what I mean? It just happens. So you have to take a bit of grace when it comes to that because empathy is crucial, but then you also have to find the boundaries within yourself and say, "Mm -mm, 
I am not, I can see where that can lead. I am not going to deal with that. So that is why seeing red flags is very important. And that goes to lesson two, setting boundaries. In the aftermath of abuse, I discovered that boundaries aren't walls to keep others out. They're self-love in action. So establishing and enforcing boundaries become my greatest act of empowerment. That is so true. When you create boundaries, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for um, your partner and your significant other. Because the thing is, when you have boundaries, you know you create limits to how far things will go. Like, when your partner tries to jab at you or dig into your thorns and your traumas, there is definitely some things that will be uncovered from that. And that's what people have to understand when they set boundaries is you're coming from a place of love when you set boundaries, love for yourself. And when your partner sees that, your partner is going to say, hey, this person loves themselves. I need to love them equally as much as they love themselves. And it's not selfish. It's actually selfless. Because when you create the boundary, you create um, internal peace. And then when you create internal peace, you're going to create the external peace in your reality. That's what people don't understand. It's all just about creating your reality by internally reflecting that. And that's what healing does. That's what therapy does. That's what modalities do. They heal your subconscious and your inner dialogue that it then reflects into your external. So that's like really, really crucial. And what makes it important is if your partner doesn't respect your boundaries, then your partner doesn't respect you. And if your partner doesn't respect you, why are you with that person? You know what I mean? If your partner doesn't respect you or your boundaries, your partner isn't going to respect you as a person. And if they don't respect you, they won't fully love you. Because love is respect. Love is sacrifice. I've said it over and over again. Love is sacrifice. Love is respect. Love is abiding by your boundaries. And when someone doesn't do that, they're not for you. They're not your partner. They're not supposed to be your person. And that is why prioritizing yourself first and writing down your boundaries somewhere is going to help you long-term in relationships. So if you're in a relationship right now and you never really figured out your boundaries, figure them out, write them down now, or when they come up in things, let your partner know. Because if your partner can't respect that or understand that, that's not your person. And that will never be your person. Because why would you want to spend 50 years in a miserable relationship if you two can't compromise? You know what I mean? I'm going to need a water. Ooh. All right.
lot of talking, a lot of water, a lot of personal combos. Okay. And then lesson four. Oh, no, wait, lesson three. Sorry. Finding inner strength. Amidst the chaos, I unearthed a reservoir of resilience within myself. It's true what they say. Strength isn't measured by how much you can handle, but by how much you can overcome. I mean, I know this. I had cancer. <laughs> like, I get, I get what this means, you know? I know what strength is. Being a tough cookie, being a tough cookie is not drinking a bottle of wine before couples therapy. Being a tough cookie is listening to your partner and actually understanding what your partner is saying that is wrong with you. And then you receive that feedback. And then you take that feedback and you're like, I'm sorry. I will do better. And I will figure it out. And vice versa. Do it with yourself. That's what being a tough cookie is. Being a tough cookie is not saying you do all these things and then you never do them. You don't show it with your actions. You may say it with your words. You may put on a face for other people. But what do you like behind closed doors? That's when the real you shows up. So inner strength comes in the heart. And the thing is about your heart is uh, when you keep your heart open, you understand how abundance comes in and how love exudes itself into your environment when you open your heart up. When you close your heart, you don't give love. You, you can receive love, but you don't give it. And that's a problem. Because when you don't give love, um, karmically speaking, it's going to come back to you. And then you won't receive that love anymore. You can only take so much from the universe. You can only take, take, take. Karma, which I firmly believe in, karma brings it back to you. So when you give love, you start receiving love. And when you believe you're worthy of love, which I had a big problem with for a really long time, for decades of my life, receiving love was a lot easier recently because I healed the subconscious wounds about feeling worthy enough for love. And that was the problem with this relationship that I was in. From dating a narcissist, I didn't feel like I was worthy of love. So that's what I got. I got unworthiness of love. That person treated me that way, which is my own fault. Like I take responsibility for that. I put myself in that situation. As much as it sucks, and that person did hurt me, and I don't appreciate it, I also put myself in that situation. So I had to learn from that experience. And that's where inner strength comes in because I've taken that experience now and I'm putting it into my dating life now where my dating life is going to be a lot easier because now I know what I do put up with and what I don't put up with. And I have the want and desire to compromise. And then I have the want and desire not to compromise with people. I have a line. I finally know where that line is. If that line's crossed, I'm done. 
if that line is close, I vocalize it. And if they stay behind that line, we have no issues. So it's just a matter of um, standing up for yourself and having that inner strength to do so. Lesson four, embracing self-compassion. Self-compassion became my guiding light in the darkest of times. I learned that healing begins the moment we offer ourselves the same kindness we so freely give to others. <sighs> I'm sighing because I think about the word tolerance with that. I was so tolerable of one this one person that did not tolerate any of my mistakes that I ever made. Because I made mistakes. I wasn't perfect. But I went to therapy multiple times myself. Uh, I did a shadow work coach. You know, I healed my inner wounds, my childhood wounds, my, my shadows, my demons. I healed those evil parts of me. And this person wouldn't do that. Like she wasn't doing the same things I was doing. She wasn't willing to do it because she thought she was perfect. And that's why couples therapy also didn't work because I worked on myself for years and she wasn't willing to work on herself at all, ever, or ever take any sort of critique uh, or criticism. And that's why that whole being a tough cookie part holds true to what I'm saying right now. Because I put in the work to better myself internally, to be better externally. When you don't put in the work internally, you can't expect to be better externally. So, if you tolerate things and they don't tolerate your things, it's not going to work. And it's not worth your time. And if you don't tolerate, like, even friendships, if you don't tolerate certain mannerisms and you bring it up and the feedback isn't there, then it's not worth your time. And like I said, it's not even a relationship at that point. Even friendships or uh, family dynamics or whatever, if they don't tolerate certain aspects of you, fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. Like, it's not worth your time. Because when is it, when does your peace matter? When does your peace come into consideration? Because that, that's what makes it difficult is when you tolerate, you know, someone else's peace more than your own peace, you're going to give and give and give, and then you're going to burn out. And when you burn out, you're going to be more irritable. You're going to be awful to be around. You're never going to be with your friends. You're going to be isolated. You're going to be alone. And that person, that narcissist, has got you where they want you. When they have you isolated, this is what a narcissist will do. They'll separate you from your friends and family, which happened to me. I came around my family less, my friends less. And when I did that, I was completely alone. 
and when I was alone and I had no one to turn to, that's when I felt stuck. That's when I felt lost. And that is why you have to see that more towards the beginning of a relationship. Because if you don't see that at the beginning and you, you don't catch on until years later, you either have to make the decision of, well, we got to figure this out or I'll just ignore it, get married, and then get divorced. Which is why the divorce rate is so high. When you think about it, the divorce rate is so high because people tolerated certain behaviors because they felt like they had to. And then they're like, fuck it. I don't even want to be in this relationship anymore. So when that happens, you know, you're stuck with, you know, three kids you know, a mortgage and a lifeless marriage that you cut off, you know, 10 years too late. And that is something I, I don't want in my life. So I'm going to avoid those situations by going to the core of the person. And that's where you got to find that core of the person sooner than later. And the only way to do that is not being superficial when you start dating. Like, it's there's nothing wrong with going to have drinks, going to have dinner, having fun. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to get to the intellectual, emotional, and spiritual state of that person. Because if they're not on the same level as you, it's not worth your time. It's not going to be worth your time. You're either going to find out three three months from now where you're going to find out three years from now and you're already engaged and you think you're going to make it through and then you get to, you know, you know, 10, 20 years down the road and you're like, ah, getting divorced. And then you got a family of, you know, brokenness, a family of broken dynamics because you didn't make that decision to get to the core early on. And you didn't practice that self-compassion. Prioritize yourself. Lesson five, seeking support. I discovered the power of community in my journey to healing. Asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a testament to our courage and resilience. That's why I'm talking about this now. I reach out to you right now on this podcast. I am, a, I am displaying courage and resilience right now because there is such a broken dynamic right now with dating that I didn't want to put myself into. I didn't want to talk about dating. <laughs> I thought it was superficial. It's not who I am as a mindset coach. It's not who I am as a person. But I said, fuck it. I'm going to talk about my story and how pivotal this is because I'm tired of people putting their heads in the sand and not waking up to the broken dynamics that they live in right now. And I see happy people in relationships too. I see good relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to four weddings this year. I think they're all great couples. I think they all have great dynamics they do and to be honest with you I 
I like I want that, but I'm not in a rush to get there because I know where I'm going in life. I'm scaling upward and my value is only peaking by the year more and more. Like I know in my 30s, I'm going to be more valuable than I am in my 20s. So I'm willing to wait on dating and marriage. You know, I have that biological clock where I can do that. I can have kids later in life. I can have kids when I'm 40, (laughs) when I'm 50. I have the biological clock to do that. Do I want to do that? No. But I am willing to do that because I'm willing to be courageous, be resilient, and selflessly think of my needs first and my dynamics first to go into a healthy relationship. That's what I'm willing to do. And I think more men need to realize that. I think more people need to realize that. And they just need to do better on their vetting process and be more resilient, have a little more courage when it comes to tough conversations and stop putting up with abusive behaviors. Because that was my problem. When I got isolated from my friends and family, that's when the physical abuse started. That's when the cheating started. That's when the emotional abuse you know, started. That's when things started to go downhill was when I was isolated from friends. They didn't hit up they didn't hit me up anymore to hang out, you know. My family, they always wanted to see me, but you know, I felt like I couldn't see them. And that's not their fault, that's my own fault. And that's what a narcissist will do to you. A narcissist will isolate you from your people and then you feel powerless and you feel like you can't stand up to that person. Because you have nowhere to go. And now as I'm speaking up about this abuse, still, as a, dom- as a domestic abuse survivor in my way, I was able to find courage to hopefully help other men in this situation to take back your masculinity. Because that's what you got to do. You got to take back the masculinity. To go be great. And go be the person that God wanted you to be. So, men, pick up your masculinity. Pick up your courage, your resilience. And go stand up to that partner that is abusing you. And go find your people. Go find your brothers. We need brotherhood more than ever right now. And the thing is, brotherhood is not just going out and drinking or going out and sports gambling or going out and, you know, doing the superficial guy shit that you see either on social media or in movies or whatever. It's about genuine connection, delving into your business ideas, delving into your desires, your wants, your needs, um, and also talking about real issues in the world that you see from a day-to-day perspective and trying to solve problems. That's what real men do. Real men try to solve problems and they try to lead through action. And when you lead through action, you're leading with God. And when you lead with God, with your 11 
apostles, your 12 disciples, you're going to be a better man. And then you can hopefully bring in your Mary Magdalene or your partner. And that is what the man's journey, the masculine journey is all about. It's bringing your guys in and then having your guys that strengthen you, level you up, and then your partner comes in and holds space for you. That is what it's all about. Number six, lesson six. Cultivating forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't about excusing the abuser's actions. It's about freeing ourselves from the chains of resentment. In forgiving, I reclaimed my power and found peace. I forgive you. And you know who you are. I forgive you for hurting me. I forgive you for your physical abuse. I forgive you for cheating on me with your boy best friend. I forgive you for cheating on me with the guys at the gym, your bodybuilder friends. I forgive you for all those things that you did. I don't resent you. I don't resent you. I I appreciate the times we had. And just know, I forgive you. That's it. So, I don't hold on to that resentment though. Because if I did, it would only increase the power of my abuser. That is what you have to understand. And that's why men aren't dating right now. It's because there's a lot of men that are very hurt by women specifically. And I don't think women understand that. There's a lot of hurt men that are holding on to a lot of anger. So you can complain about the dating scene being awful. You can complain about men being awful. But the problem is women hurt men to begin with. And they don't have good outlets to go to. And we need better outlets. But we also need stronger men at the same time. So women, you don't want to be dating some of these men right now because they're emotionally hurt. A lot of them are. And usually it's the, the men you wouldn't expect to be hurt because they cover it up very well with the gym, with their looks, money, material items, women, guys that have a lot of women, um, guys that have a lot of money, uh, guys that have all the looks or the gym or whatever. It's just covering up some sort of insecurity that they have. So it doesn't always have to be the guy that is an alcoholic or a drug addict or um, someone who's addicted to bad things, quote unquote. Sometimes it's people addicted to going to the gym. Like some guys are, you know, addicted to video games or just literally it could be the guy gets up, nine to five job, goes to the gym, cooks dinner, starts all over, watches <laughs> anime or a movie, then goes to bed. That guy could honestly be hurting more than the guy that goes out to the club, you know, once a week. Honest to God, like that could be the guy that's hurting more. But 
it, you you wouldn't see it because the person that is so stable with their life sometimes is hurting the most and you just wouldn't see that because you don't they don't talk they don't post about it they don't they don't speak their feelings because we as men are not allowed to speak our feelings so we need to be more open about that and we need to allow men to hold space for other men to release those emotions, release that resentment. And I want the men that are watching this or listening to this right now, I want you to understand I love you, I appreciate you, and I want you to hold space for yourself after this episode. And I want you to feel through that. I want you to feel through those things. But I want you to stop holding on to that anger and that resentment. It's only going to hurt you more. So that is that, is that lesson. Um, lesson seven, honoring vulnerability. Embracing vulnerability isn't a sign of weakness. It's an act of courage. I learned that true strength lies within our willingness to be seen, flaws and all. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm speaking out. When I started doing psychedelics and therapy, and I started talking about psychedelics and therapy, people were like, whoa. I don't think my parents agreed with it either. I think my parents were like, this is a lot to be talking about. I'm like, yeah, but that's me. Like, I'm authentically me. I'm the most vulnerable guy you're going to meet. And that's my purpose. Like, I'm here to be vulnerable. Like, that's the thing. I'm here to touch the lives of millions of people. In order to do that, I have to be vulnerable and I have to let my guard down for everyone to allow everyone to shine, bring out their shadows, heal their shadows, and then bring out their light to show with the world. That's what it's for. That's what I'm here to do. And I wouldn't have figured that out if I didn't speak out on it or have been vulnerable about it. I was literally at a point before my toxic relationship. I wasn't even comfortable sharing in therapy tough conversations. And I was in therapy. This is a person that I paid to be behind closed doors and keep, you know, Secrets, because a therapist keeps your secrets, right? HIPAA laws prevent your therapist from saying anything, literally anything to anyone. That's what a therapist does. And I still couldn't open up to a therapist because I was like insecure about it. I was afraid to look weak. And that's where... I struggle with some of the masculine side of my family. My openness is seen as weakness. I disagree. My openness brings in more abundance, more love, more wealth, more you know charity, more everything. And people love me more when I am vulnerable. So I disagree. I don't think it's weakness. I think it's actually showing my strength as a man. 
for dealing with all these emotions, dealing with all these struggles, dealing with cancer, dealing with an abusive relationship, and talking about it. That's my strength. So put some respect on that, please. Now, lesson eight, rediscovering self-worth. Abuse may shatter our sense of self-worth, but it can never define our value. I discovered that my worth isn't determined by others and their perceptions, but by the love I have for myself. That's what I was saying earlier about this relationship manifested out of my unworthiness for love. My unworthiness for love manifested from deep traumas as a child that I won't talk about today, but I manifested deep traumas from when I was like 12. And those traumas came about in my dating life early on in life, and then in my athletic career, and in my student life, and in other you know facets of life that I chose to ignore because I was afraid of what was coming after that. And, or I was afraid of the emotions that were coming up after that. And what happened was I just buried it so much that it took <laughs> a narcissistic partner to fully bring that actualization out of me. And I guess that's where the gratitude comes from because that narcissist brought out that limiting belief, the biggest limiting belief I have. And I healed that, so in you know doing so, in healing that, I became my fullest form, my final form, I should say, to go out there and to be the best version of myself and find the right people around me and be the generator that I was meant to be. So I'm proud of myself for actualizing all that through my different therapies. And that's what you have to do. You have to find your, I guess, rediscovered soul or rediscovered self-worth through isolation and finding, you know, the perceptions of yourself that have been buried beneath your subconscious layers of your brain. And that's what you have to do. And then going to lesson nine, embracing authenticity. And what that means is in shedding the layers of societal expectations, I found liberation in embracing my authentic self. I learned that true happiness blooms from living in alignment with our deepest truths. And the deepest truth is I'm a fucking genius. I am loved. I am worthy of love. I am handsome, <laughs> I am kind, I am loving, I am Christ embodiment. I am a good man, I am a great man actually. I am a great partner, I am a great future husband, and I am a great father, future father. So, I embody those statements. I embody everything good in this world, everything good in this universe, everything good in this life. I embody that. Anyone that says I don't, I don't give a fuck what those people say. 
because I know who I am and I make people feel good. I make people feel loved by just listening to them, embracing them, being in their presence, them being in my presence and giving them the healing experience that they deserve by just being around me. That's what being with Cooper Harrison is all about. And it's honestly something that I think I had to learn from the depths of my soul and the depths of the darkness that I had to come from. And I had to live in the alignment of those truths by healing myself because that's what I was always good at. I was always good at healing myself from the days of cancer, taking naps, but still living life as a kid and playing sports, going to school. Like I was him. I was him. I am him. I am him. Those of you that get that statement, get that statement. Those of you that don't, don't. But I am him. And embodying the I am him mindset gives me the opportunity to know that my alignment is there right now. I'm fully aligned in light, love, and truth. And I'm going to give that to millions of people. I'm going to embody that for millions of people. Lesson 10. Thriving after trauma. Despite the scars, I emerged from the ashes of abuse, not as a victim, but as a survivor. I learned that our past doesn't dictate our future. It merely shapes the strength of our resilience. Ain't that the damn truth? <laughs> the past does not define me. And I say that because I could have let the past define me a long time ago. I could have stayed sunken where I was on an air mattress in a duplex with two plates, one fork, one knife, one spoon, two cast iron skillets, um, and, you know, a toothbrush, some clothes, and that was it. That's, that's how I was living after I had to witness someone take all the stuff and move out of the space I was living in. That is the definition of a tough cookie, actually speaking. And still waking up every day, going to work, working a job, starting a business. Actually, you know, going to the depths of the lowest point of my life and having that lowest point of my life because of a toxic partner. And then losing friends in a collective group because of that partner. And then losing the respect from those leaders because of that partner. That partner befriending those people, turning them against me and trying to isolate me even more 
trying to isolate my family against me, trying to isolate my friends against me, but not submitting, not bowing down, not going back to her, not admitting defeat, not giving up on myself in my true state of authenticity. That is what is being a tough cookie. I am the definition of a tough cookie. You can't argue that. And I won't be stopped. So, those are my 10 lessons I learned from dating a narcissist. I'm sure that was a lot to take in. So I want you to take this episode and I want you to take and I don't want you to think about it <clears throat> from the standpoint of how can I overcome a bad relationship or friendship? How can I overcome a one-sided um how can I overcome a one-sided relationship? How can I overcome people not respecting me? How can I overcome not being loved or feeling worthy of love? How can I feel more secure and comfortable within myself and within my relationship? Like, how can I do that? Well, you do that by entering a contract with God and that contract is your soul contract with God, and you actually go and better yourself with your mind, your body, and your soul. Whether that's giving up different things like alcohol or drugs, giving up porn, giving up sex, giving up um, anything that is not of God. So here's, and here's the other thing, gentlemen, I'm talking to the gentleman now, <clears throat> stop watching porn. It's not that fucking hard. Stop being addicted to porn and fapping. It's not that fucking hard. I did a long pause because I wanted you to think about that. And I want you, if you're sitting there and you're like, oh. That either if you think what I said is cringe or what, if you think what I said is annoying, um, whatever negative connotation you have, I got you. If I triggered you, that means you have a problem. You need to fucking fix it. So men, stop watching porn. It's unhealthy. It fucks with your brain. It fucks with your hormones and it fucks with your dynamics with your partner. If you have intimacy issues with your partner, seek therapy or seek ways to conversate around it and actually fix the problems at hand. I hope you understand that. Stop going out and drinking all the time. Stop doing drugs all the time. Stop gambling all the time. Stop being addicted to shit. Be addicted to your partner. Be addicted to life. Be addicted to 
doing things that truly make you happy. Don't be addicted to shit that makes you want to escape. All right? I hope you can do that. Because that's what I did. And I found the best version of myself. Am I saying don't drink again? No. Am I saying don't smoke weed ever again? No. Am I saying don't do drugs? No. Am I saying don't play video games? No. Don't watch porn. (laughs) Definitely don't watch porn. But just fucking be a man and lead. And lead your relationship. And if she's not feminine enough to abide by that, she's not for you. And that's the thing too. The dynamics of feminism and masculinity are so off right now. And part of the problem is we don't promote healthy masculinity. Not toxic masculinity. Masculinity is not toxic. What is toxic is trying to submit women against their will. That's toxic. But feminism lies within masculinity. When masculinity rises, so does feminism because women will drop into their feminine nature, which isn't necessarily them, you know, cooking and cleaning and, you know, all those like 1960s roles that you thought was feminism. No. When a woman drops into her feminine, she's going to open up to you on a deeper, organic, raw level. She's going to have, you know, She's still going to have a business. She's still going to work. She's still going to do things that maybe she wants to do. Um, But she's also going to flow with life. And that is not directed towards like a set routine or a set schedule. Because that's just not how dynamics work with masculinity and femininity. It's not how it works. So, we need to be better men. But then women need to also be better women. I'm serious. Women need to stop being super masculine. Or women need to stop being so toxic. And making lives chaotic. Because that's the thing. When you seek chaos as a woman. And you bring that on a man. A man is not going to want to fucking deal with you. Because a woman or a man's not going to deal with the woman's chaos. It's not. We have our own fucking chaos that we have to deal with. Why do we have to deal with your shit? We'll provide and protect. But we're not dealing with your stupid fucking bullshit mind games. It's not what we're built to do. And you guys are more distracted by these than anything else. why shit doesn't work your hinge likes don't fucking matter your instagram dms your instagram likes your followers don't fucking matter your only fan subscriptions don't fucking matter who gives a shit fucking step up and be someone's peace and then men step up and be a provider it's not that fucking hard So, that's all I got. Lots of process. (laughs) A lot to take in. But I love you guys. I appreciate you for coming on. I appreciate you for listening in. Um, Hopefully, you know, we can do more of these conversations together, you and me. I would love to do some Q&As as well, where people ask me questions live. 
and um, we can we can do this a lot better. Uh, so stay blessed. Appreciate you.